Um, If you would, open up your Bibles with me to the book of John. We're going to be taking a look at chapter 17. And um, this is um, where we're going to sort of stop in the book of John for a little bit um, because of different things we have upcoming. And so um, we're going to take a look at this, and then we're going to pause here for just a little while, and then we'll come back to finish out our book of John. Um, But last week, oh, you know what? I want to mention one other thing because I forgot to mention this during, um, during the announcements, but I don't normally wear a t-shirt for you guys, but today I'm sporting the BBC swag, <clears throat> and um, it, it, looks, it looks really, really nice. So if you have ordered shirts or a jacket or a hoodie or whatever, please see Miss Carol, and she can get you connected with the things that you have ordered. Um, and if you decide in the future that you would like to have BBC swag, that's what we call it, um, then please let Miss Carol know, and she can keep a tally of the things that, that we want to get later on in the future. And so... Uh, we try to do a couple, three orders a year or something like that. So, um, but just let us know, and then we can, we can get that stuff worked on. But uh, if you have anything that you've ordered, um, it is here, so please see Ms. Carol for that. Um, now, last week, we were talking about Jesus. That should be a shocker. <sighs> you know, if you don't start off with something funny, the rest of it just goes downhill, doesn't it? Um, so last week we were talking all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And the really cool thing is, is that these last few chapters have literally been up. Like, it's Jesus. Like it's all written in red. If your Bible has the Jesus in red, like you're going to notice there's in chapter 17 that we're looking at today, no different. The only thing that you get is the very first little snippet of, of, of chapter 17. The rest of it is solid red. That just gets me pumped. I don't know about you guys, but uh, of course there's a lot of things that makes me excited and you guys know that. But, but last week we were talking about how Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. And he has, amen? He has overcome the world. Satan is the one who is of the world. He's the ruler of this world. And he says, I have overcome the world, which means he has already come, he has already defeated Satan, and he has already taken the victory. That is what we know. That is truth. That is Jesus. You, you know, people back in the, in the day, back in the Jewish time uh, frame of when Jesus was walking around, like, like they were looking for the Messiah to come in, to be this, to be this big, just honking man that was coming in on a big stallion who's going to come in and just crush the Romans. Like, and that's not what happened. But he defeated a foe who was much greater than the, than the Romans, didn't he? He defeated the ruler, the enemy, he defeated Satan himself. We have victory through Jesus Christ this morning. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you believe in his birth, his death, his resurrection, oh, this is going to be a good Sunday. Oh, this is some good stuff, y'all. So listen, we're just going to dive right in. We're going to take a look at all chapter 17. I promise we're not going to be here through lunch. I promise. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I, heard, I heard you. I heard somebody. Um, I know y'all are skeptical, but just hang with me. Hang with me, I promise. But we're going to take a look at this together. It starts off, again, chapter 17. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give him eternal life, to whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. 
And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you, get this, before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. That's the church, people. If you haven't caught on to what Jesus is saying there, keep them as one. One, the church. Keep them as one, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. I have, not one, uh, I have not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, that's Satan. That they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I, con I consecrate myself, so that, also, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in, in, I, I in them and you in me, and they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me I have known, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now listen, Jesus, Jesus is saying a whole lot of things here, and if you're like me, you had to read this a couple of times, because he's speaking in Jesus' talk, isn't he? Listen, Jesus is perfect. He knows exactly how to pray to the Father. If you read this like I had to like a dozen times, because I, my comprehension, y'all probably know this, but my comprehension level is terrible. 
I have to read things over and over and over and over. And then I go, what did I just read? Chelsea gave me a book for my birthday. That's months ago. I've gotten like through half of it. it. So if you heard this or if you've read it and you're just scratching your head going, man, I got nothing. Don't worry. It's okay. We're going to talk about it. So, <clears throat> so listen, Jesus is lifting up this prayer. I'm going to make sure these are off. Sometimes they like to echo. Um, but Jesus has uh, lifted up this prayer, okay? He starts us off getting us ready for the end. Jesus himself is beginning for the end to come. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. This is Jesus talking about the end, his time on earth coming to a close. Now, we know that his work isn't completely done yet. He's He's still here. He hasn't died on the cross yet, right? So he's just beginning for the end. He's, he's preparing himself for this beginning to the end. And in verses 2 and 3, this prayer that Jesus lays out is basically the plan for things going forward. He says, given him authority, the Lord has given, God has given him authority over all the flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given me, meaning Jesus. And this is eternal life that they know you the only true God, and, get this, he refers to himself, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, Jesus himself says, it's not enough for you to just simply say, yes, there is a God. He says, they have to acknowledge you as being the only God and, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When people like to question whether or not you have to believe in Jesus, you do, because not only is Jesus Christ laid out and said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and there's no other way to the Father except through me. Here he says, you've got to believe in the one and only God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's said more than one time. And there's these naysayers who are out there who would love to just confuse people and say, you go whatever you want, do whatever you want, believe whatever you want, trust in whoever you want. No, it is Jesus Christ and him alone. So listen, he's lifting up this prayer to the Lord God. And Jesus says he's accomplished this work. Now, I just got done telling you, though, he's not died on the cross yet. We always sort of take into account, we go, well, Jesus has accomplished the work when he died on the cross, and then he rose again from the grave, and then he ascended up into heaven, right? We go, that's when he accomplished his work. No. You see, his work was accomplished, but he still has a task to do. See, there's a difference between the two things. God sent his one and only son for a purpose. His purpose was to come and do the work, lay out the groundwork that needed to be done. He had to spread the gospel. He had to bring and disciple men who were going to go out and take the good news, and they were going to spread it all over creation. And then he has to complete the task, and the completion of the task is him dying on that cross and raising again from the dead. So when Jesus says, I have accomplished the work, he's not lying, because that's a place where scholars like to take people, the naysayers rather, not the scholars, the naysayers like to take people and say, well, it says here that he's accomplished the work, but he hasn't, but he has. He has prepared these men, these these, well, what should have been 12 disciples to go out and to spread the good news. And turns out, he says, there's only 11. And, and so he's prepared 
and he's accomplished this work that's been laid out before him. And then we get to see that Jesus is then looking forward, and he's looking forward to uh, rejoining his Father in heaven. So verse 5, it says Jesus is also pointing to himself in this sort of deity form. He's taking claim of who he is with the Father. And he says, as he's praying, bring me to the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus is making a very bold claim. I am from God. I am his son. I am the chosen one. I am the Messiah. I am he. Jesus was there before the world existed. You go back into Genesis and you get to see that, that as, as God was forming the earth, Jesus was there. That the Holy Spirit was there hovering over the waters as they were, as, as they were separating the uh, waters from the sky and the dark from the light and doing all these things. Then all the way to the point of where God created man and then God said, let us create man in our image. Jesus was there from the beginning, and Jesus saying, I'm looking forward to being back with you, my Father, before, just like it was before. Just like it was before the world ever existed. I'm looking forward to coming home, because I've done this work that you have sent me to do. Verse 24 also declares this. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given to me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. And get this, he says, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is, is claiming what is rightfully his. And he's lifting this up in this prayer before the Lord God. Now Jesus begins to lay out a lot of things in verses 6 through 19. Jesus has spoken these words of the Father to the people. Through this, he states that some have believed. He states that some have rejected. Not everybody is going to hear the word of God and turn to the Lord. We just know that. It's just, it's sad. We want as many people as possible to come to know who Jesus Christ is, to be saved, to receive forgiveness, to have salvation that can only be found through the one who shed his body and his blood, right? Like, that's what our goal is as, as a church. That's what our goal is as Christians. We want people to come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is in their lives, but some will flat reject it. The best example that we have of that is between Moses and Pharaoh. The Lord knew Pharaoh was never going to accept him. And it just goes to show that God continues to use all of us, whether we choose him or not. He chose to use Pharaoh even in his rejection to help the Jews escape and to wander for 40 years through a desert. So as we continue to look forward, one of the cool things that I want you to see here is in verse 9. It says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So the first thing I want you to see, if you want to take notes, you can write this down. But the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus prays for Christians who have believed. That should knock your socks off. 
to know that Jesus Christ is praying for you specifically. That if you are a saved Christian, you belong to him, you've professed faith in him, he is lifting you up by name. He's praying for you, it says. I am praying for them. These are the Christians. These are also the disciples who he has prepared to go and to do this work. Do you realize that Jesus Christ has prayed for you? Is that something you think about? Is that something that comes into your daily thought, that Jesus Christ today has prayed for you? Realize that. We lift up prayers all the time for other people. Hopefully you pray for yourself too, because that is important. But understand that Jesus Christ himself has prayed for you. That's big. If you think you're going through hardships and trials and struggles and that you're just, just, you're just like, God, where are you at? He's praying for you. He's lifting you up. You are not alone. When you feel like everything has gone wrong, Jesus is going, Father, I'm lifting them up to you. He never ceases in his prayer for you. He loves you. He worships um, the Lord God. And in his worship, he brings forth his prayers, these things that, that weigh heavily on his heart. And what weighs on his heart is the people he loves and died for. He prays for you. Jesus asks for this help even, to help watch over those that belong to him and who are going to remain even after he ascends into heaven. You remember when we were looking at previous um, scripture in, in 16 and chapter 16, Jesus said he was going to ask the Father for a helper. This is it. He said, I will ask the Father for a helper. I will ask the Father to send someone to watch over and to guide and to be here and to also convict and lead people to who they must believe in. And that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is praying for the Holy Spirit to come here. In verse 12, Jesus also reveals to us some information about Judas. He refers to Judas as the son of destruction. He doesn't give him by name, but that's who he's talking about. Some Bibles will say the son of perdition, but the ones I think the ESV Bibles that we have in the pew say the son of destruction. And this was to prove what the Old Testament scripture would say. It goes back to Psalm 41, verse 9. It says, even my close friend in whom I've trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. You see, Jesus knew there was going to be one. As a matter of fact, the way that, the way that he lays this out, <clears throat> he says, not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. Those whom the Lord God has specified in coming to the knowledge during the time of Jesus Christ, not one of them had been lost. Jesus had won over many, and only one turned away. And that's who Jesus is referring to, referring to here. He says only one of them has been lost. He said, but it was done so, so that Scripture may be fulfilled. See, Jesus knows what everything says. He knows the word of God. He knows every single word of it. And so the Jesus then asks, Father, sanctify them in truth. Sanctify them in truth. He wants the Lord to watch over those whom have trusted in Jesus as the Christ. 
And if you're not sure what sanctify means or what sanctification means, it just simply means to be set apart for God's glory and purpose. It means to be made holy. That's what sanctification means. To sanctify is to be made holy. And so Jesus is asking for God to set apart, God the Father to set apart Christians to make them holy so that they can accomplish the Lord's special work that is for them to do. We as Christians have work to do, don't we? We don't, we don't have to do work so that we can be saved, but because we've been saved, we desire to do the work. That's the way it goes. We don't have to do any work. We don't have to do anything in order to be saved. All you have to say is, Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. I believe in you. I believe in your birth, your death, your resurrection. I believe in you and I trust you and I just want to follow you. You don't have to jump through hoops. You can receive the gift and the power of salvation through the blood and, 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 and body of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, by simply praying and asking him into your life. You believe in your heart in Jesus Christ. It says you will be saved. That's what Romans 10, 9 and 10 talks about. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to do all kinds of crazy things. We don't have to do any of these ministries so that we can be saved. God has done the work. Jesus Christ has accomplished the work that needed to be done. All we have to do is believe. However, we do these things because we want to show and share the love of Jesus Christ, whom has saved us and forgave us of our sins. That's the way that this goes. That's the way it works. I don't have to do it because I have to. I do it because I want to. There's a need for Jesus and his love in the lives of every single person around the world. Now here's another cool thing, though. Jesus makes this very plain. It's, Jody, you can put this one up next. If you want to write this down, you can. Jesus prays, it says, for those who have not yet believed. He makes this very plain in his prayer he says, I do not ask for these only, for these disciples, these 11 disciples who have believed. I don't ask for these only, these Christians who have believed in me and who have decided for me, uh, to follow me. He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Because the disciples had a task, didn't they? They were to go out and to spread the good news. Guess what, Christians? You have a task. And that's to go out and to spread the good news. And he says, I didn't just simply love and care for and save just the ones who are already professing. He says, I'm doing it for those that still haven't yet. He is praying for those who are unsaved, those who are currently bound for hell. And he desires them so much that he is praying for them now. And we as a church should join him in that. We as a church should reach out as much as we can and lift up and spread and share the love of Jesus Christ so that as many as possible can come to know who he is. Because without Jesus in their lives, they spend an eternity in hell, suffering a death of gnashing of teeth. It's not what we want, is it? It's not what we should desire. Jesus is praying Every day, every minute of the day, he says, I am praying for you. And he says, I am also praying for the ones that haven't yet believed. That's amazing. It's the reason why his work is continuing to be done today. It's the reason why the Holy Spirit is still here and moving. It's the reason that we get convicted. It's the reason that we still have people who come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the reason that we still have people being baptized today. And it's the reason that the good Lord is so patient and hasn't returned yet the trumpet hasn't sounded, and it's because he's so darn patient that he wants as many people as possible to believe, and he is praying every day for those that don't. 
and we need to help with that. We've committed that as Christians. We've committed that we should want others to come to this knowledge. We all have loved ones who are lost in this world. This is significant to our understanding of the love that Jesus had for us, especially at the time of his death on the cross. Because in verse 23, he said, I in them and you in me, he says that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Jesus wants the world to know they are loved, whether they've professed faith yet or not. Jesus loves all. And it says he died once for all, all people. And he wants as many as possible to come to know him. And he wants as many as possible to join him in heaven. And so that's the next point that I want to bring to you. Jesus prays for all to join him in heaven. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given to me may be with me where I am to see my glory and that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ is going to or has already ascended to heaven to be with God the Father. And he says, I want them to be where I am. I desire them to be with me. And the only way that that could be accomplished was by him sticking out his arms and showing his love as far from the east is to the west and having himself nailed to a cross so that you could receive forgiveness of your sin and have your sin debt paid. You've been ransomed. You've been saved. You've been forgiven. Whether you realize it or not, whether you accept it or not, you have received grace. The only thing you have to do now is ask Jesus into your heart, believing that he is the true son of God and that he died for you. That's what it is. Jesus Christ died so that we could be saved and forgiven our sins. So the last thing that I want you to understand here, and then we're going to close. Understand that Jesus does pray for you. He prays for you. Verse 25, he spells it out for us. I will continue to make it known, he says, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. He prays for you daily, every day. He lifts you up to God the Father. He asks the Father for help. He sent us the helper. He sent us the Holy Spirit. He continually prays for all people to come to the knowledge of his love and for his and of his mercy, because he doesn't want anyone to perish. What would have been the point of him dying on that cross if none were to come to his knowledge and his glory? It would have been a waste, wouldn't it? He died for you. He desires you. He loves you exactly where you are, too. That's the other thing. He loves you and desires you right where you're at. Maybe you're in a point in your life that you're like, there's no way he can't want me where I'm at. I am too, way too nasty, way too dirty, way too sinful. I do things that, that are not good. I'm not a good person. There's no way that Jesus would say he died for me. I don't deserve that. No one could love me that much because maybe your home life isn't so great. Maybe your mom and dad didn't love you the way they were supposed to. Maybe, maybe your financial situation isn't what you hoped it would be. Maybe your boss stinks and he just drives you up the wall. Maybe 
Maybe your husband or your wife, get on your last nerve. Maybe your kids or whatever, you know, whatever your situation is, it doesn't matter because you have a God, your Father in heaven who loves you more than anything and he loves you to the point where he said, I'm sending my son to die for you. That can't be undone. The work's been accomplished. The work's been done. Do you understand that? That Jesus Christ died for you, that he prays for you, that he desires you just where you are because you're worthy. He deemed you worthy. Even when the world says you're not. Even the world says you're nasty and you're ugly and no one loves you. Even when the world says you're better off dead instead of being here. Even when the world comes against you and says your worth is zero. Jesus Christ says, no, I love you and I died for you so that you could receive life and you can have it abundantly with me in heaven where it's perfect, where there's no more tears, where there's no more pain, where there's no more suffering, where when we endure the things of this world with so many people who have already faced, that we've already prayed for today, who are going through cancers, who have lost loved ones, people who have lost children, people who have gone through all sorts of trials and sufferings, and Jesus says all of that will disappear and you will have joy in me and through me. And you'll have it every day. Do you want joy in your life? Do you want true joy? Do you want to be satisfied to the point where you never desire anything else? I desire more than anything to eat a Snicker bar. Because I can't. But I'm eating a Snicker when I get to heaven. And it's not going to be white chocolate. It's going to be the real thing. Not even the short bar. It's going to be the full one, the king size. Listen, I joke just to help break up the monotony of this, but I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is going to bring you satisfaction that you'll never achieve here in this world. You will desire nothing. You will not even thirst because he will give you a quenching that you've never received before. You'll never hunger because you will be so filled with his love, you won't desire anything else. You will literally live and breathe from Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And if you desire that in your life, then today is the day where you come to this altar or you come and you sit in this front pew or you raise your hand and we'll come and surround you or whatever it is and you invite Jesus into your life because if you don't know him yet, boy, I'm telling you there's something amazing that can come. You believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Everything is different. And it doesn't mean that your life gets easier. It just means that now you have a hope. You have an eternal hope that whatever happens to you here doesn't matter. None of it matters. You know why? Because Jesus is praying for you. No greater prayer could ever be lifted. I can pray for you. This church can gather and pray for you. We can lay hands upon you. All of us can do all of those things. And those things do matter. Those things do count. But you'll never get a prayer stronger or better than a prayer from Jesus Christ's own mouth. And he prays for you. He desires you. And he loves you. And he deems you worthy of forgiveness. And he deems you worthy of salvation. And he deems you worthy of being with him in heaven forever, eternally. All you have to do is accept the grace that he offers you today. So don't let this day pass. If you don't know him, come and talk to me. Please, come talk to me. Don't let Satan hold you back, because that's who holds you back. Satan is the one that holds you back. 
It's not because you're too embarrassed. That is Satan embarrassing you. It is not because you're not confident enough. It is because Satan is telling you you're not worthy enough. Don't let the enemy win. Jesus has already conquered over him, and, and Satan has to cower at the feet of Jesus. You'll, you'll have all the power in the world when you proclaim Jesus Christ's name. There is power in the name. There's power in the blood. There's power in Jesus. Trust in him today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we praise you that, that you are with us, that you lift us up, Lord, in your holy prayer, that you desire us so much that you died for us on a cross. So God, be with us now. Be with each and every one of us to help us to feel your love, to feel your strength, to, to believe and to understand what you prayed for each and every single one of us, that you love and desire us so much that you're patient and you're patiently waiting for as many as possible to come to you to know who you are. So Jesus, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for, for lifting us up. Help us to receive you in our hearts if we have not known you before. And Lord, encourage our hearts and strengthen us as one for those who have already professed faith in you. Be with us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. We thank you for praying for us, Jesus. We praise you in your holy name. Amen.